This is an AMI podcast. This is an AMI podcast. Hello, I'm Joyita Gupta, host of The Pulse on AMI Audio. It's a show featuring in-depth conversation about the biggest challenges facing the disability community. With today's fast-paced news cycles, it's often hard to get the big picture. Join me and other members of the disability community as we take a deeper dive into the issues that matter to you. Listen to The Pulse wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Welcome to Voices of the Walrus on AMI-audio, where professional readers give voice to articles from Canada's best general interest magazine. I'm your host, Roger Ashby. Because of her family connection, the author was forced to take an unflinching look at the COVID-19 crisis when it was still relatively far away. Norma Wick reads Distant Threat by Judy Ziyugu. Judy Ziyugu is a writer and audio producer living in Toronto. She has produced multimedia projects for the CBC and previously worked for the Walrus. I'm Norma Wick. This is a first-person account titled Distant Threat by Judy Ziyi Gu from the June issue of The Walrus. In January, when the COVID-19 death toll was still in double digits, I thought things would blow over quickly. My extended family lives in a coastal Chinese province, around a thousand kilometers from Wuhan, the epicenter of the virus. Many people went into self-quarantine after the Wuhan lockdown, even though the threat seemed far away. When my mother, whom I live with in Toronto, purchased three gallons of isopropyl alcohol and began spritzing it everywhere like it was a refreshing home scent, I assured her she was overreacting. Two weeks later... I woke to find her crying in the kitchen. Her brother had become one of the hundreds of healthcare workers who were sent to Wuhan. In a manner typical to both Asian families and my uncle's low-key personality, he did not say a word to us about being sent to Wuhan, only telling his wife at first. We found out through social media. My mom saw her brother's name in a post from the hospital where he works a post in which administrators praised his team's bravery. My grandmother saw his face, behind a mask but unmistakably her son's, on a local newscast. After receiving frantic messages in our family group chat, he tried to reassure us with a photo of himself in a hazmat suit and gloves. His name and title and Be Strong Wuhan have been scribbled haphazardly on his back by his co-workers. Not one inch of my skin is exposed, he told us. My uncle left Wuhan at the end of March and went into self-isolation with members of his medical team. Prior to his return, apart from sending him good energy, I was useless. Even asking for updates would have put a burden on him. Distributing information from Wuhan is sensitive. Surprisingly, my uncle's assignment did not make me panic but instead marked a fundamental shift in my attention. I began to focus on the things that, at first, I had deliberately glossed over. I watched an old friend's YouTube videos in which he and his girlfriend demystify the lockdown in Wuhan by vlogging their grocery trips. He also breaks down how a foreign media outlet twisted the couple's vlogs to incite panic. 
I read first-person accounts of being attacked for being Asian in public, and news of a global spike in racist attacks. I felt the looks thrown at me when I sneezed on the streetcar, and I grieved for the Chinese businesses that had seen major drops in customers since January. I heard people speak about the immunocompromised and the elderly as if they were disposable. I have the privilege of sidestepping the realities of the pandemic. I can do my job from home. I have health care. My house is stocked with food. Though my fear of anti-Asian violence is growing, I don't live in a city where I'm a small minority. Unlike people whose lives were fundamentally disrupted by this crisis, I maintain the illusion of normalcy for longer than reality should have allowed. My uncle's assignment made me take an unflinching look at this crisis when it was still relatively far away. It reminded me that the threat was always closer than I wanted to admit. But I shouldn't have needed an uncle, a friend, or someone I know in the epicenter for it to become personal. More than ever, averting one's gaze during a crisis means missing its approach to their own doorstep. Until March, many North Americans believed there was no way that what happened in China and other countries could happen here. Distance is an obvious explanation for this naivete, but it is not the only one. This feeling of security was buoyed by the assumption that the public health and government systems in place would be able to protect us. The subtext being that viral outbreaks only happen in developing countries, only to dirty Asians. Too bad pandemics don't adhere to the confines of borders or race. When scores of cancellations and closures populated the news in Canada and the U.S., I felt no surprise only inevitability and anger. As cases mounted, portions of the general public still refused to practice social distancing or self-quarantine. International governments scrambled to put together reactive initiatives. The world looked away from China's struggles against COVID-19, missing out on lessons and precious time that could have left us better prepared to deal with the outbreaks elsewhere. Ignorance is not only indifferent and cruel to those who are most vulnerable. In our fundamentally interconnected world, it's deadly. That was a first-person account titled Distant Threat by Judy Ziyi Gu from the June issue of The Walrus. I'm Norma Wick. You've been listening to Voices of the Walrus on AMI-audio, produced by Don Dickinson, audio engineering by Sam Robinson and Bill Shackleton. The manager of AMI-audio is Andy Frank, and I'm your host, Roger Ashby. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider giving us a rating and review, and subscribe for more. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca. Join us weekly for The Pulse with host Joita Gupta, who brings us closer to issues impacting the disability community across Canada. Watch The Pulse on YouTube or listen wherever you download your AMI podcasts.